You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. We're in part three of a series. We kind of became a series. Just uh, I, I keep trying to move on from it. And as I'm praying, God just keeps bringing me back to this. these passages. We've looked at uh, Elijah. And this series is uh, now going to be titled, He Still Answers. Uh, our first message was, He Still Answers by Fire. And uh, we saw as Israel was at a very low point spiritually. They're at a place where they had largely abandoned the worship of the living God, or they had tried to mix in idolatry. And uh, they, they were primarily focused on the worship of Baal, which was a, uh, an, an image, an idol that the Canaanites had believed could answer by rain. And so for three and a half years, uh, there was no rain and uh, there was a drought and now a famine. And so, but uh, to kind of shut that all down, Elijah gets sent by the Lord to confront King Ahab, who had led Israel away from God with his wife Jezebel. And he calls him to this mountain, Mount Carmel. And as we saw a couple weeks ago, there was this kind of old Western showdown where the prophets of Baal, and Asherah, 850 false prophets have gathered together on one side, and Elijah alone is on the other, and they build two altars, and they prepare two different sacrifices, and Elijah prays, and he says, the God who answers by fire, that's the living God, and all Israel agrees to that showdown. So then, of course, you know the story. The prophets of Baal dance and do all kinds of activities and, and all kinds of effort, and yet there was no answer from Baal. He was silent, but then Elijah, with a very simple prayer of faith declared the greatness of God and prayed for heaven to fall and fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice and all Israel turned back to the Lord. They said, the Lord, Jehovah, he is God. And in one moment, I think of one of the greatest examples of revival in the entire Bible and in all of history happened as they saw that God still answered, God still moved, God still did what he said he would do. Last week, the message was be a drought breaker because right after that, God called Elijah to pray and three and a half years of drought and famine were broken as he prayed and rain came. You're a a drought breaker. God's called you through your prayers to see your family saved, your kids who are far from God set free. He's called you to see a city change and North Iowa turned upside down for the kingdom of God. You're a drought breaker. Don't ever let your circumstances define your faith. But what God has said today, we're going to deal with what happens next with Elijah. And some of you know what happens next in the story. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to read a good portion of this, so bear with me, but I want you to catch the whole scene. 1 Kings chapter 19, right after, I think, two of the most significant miracles in Elijah's life, fire fell from heaven, the nation turned back to God, and he prayed, and the rain came, and drought was broken, three and a half years of drought. Now, immediately after, it says 1 Kings 19.1, Ahab, King Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, how he had executed all the prophets, the false prophets of Baal, with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah in response. She said, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, when he heard that threat and imagined it, I, I, he says, when, I, when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. He was intimidated, he was afraid. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and sat down under a broom tree and now no longer praying for fire and rain. Here's what he prays, that he might die. 
he's discouraged. And he says, it's enough. Now, Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. And so he ate and drank and he laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him again and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose, he ate, he drank, and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by a great and strong wind torn in the mountain, broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after that, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, his garment. He went out, stood in the entrance of the cave and the suddenly a voice came to him. And here's what God says a second time. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he says again, I've been very zealous for the Lord God. He just repeats the same thing. Verse, 20, verse 15, the Lord said, go your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and there arrive and anoint Haziel, king over Syria. And then you'll anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, you shall anoint his prophet in your place. Verse 18, last one. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, every mouth that has not kissed him. Today, we're talking about defeating the enemy of discouragement, defeating the enemy of discouragement. Uh, Elisha has just had, I think, the two most significant victories of his life and calling. And yet right after that, he gets discouraged. Discouragement can come in a lot of forms and for a lot of reasons. Sometimes discouragement comes because of delay or disappointment. Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. When, when we have a gap between where our expectations are and what our present circumstances are, there's sometimes a place of settled discouragement and disappointment. We come to a place where we think that things will never change, things will never get better. We lose our hope for the future. We become discouraged and despondent. If you wanna see what despondency looks like, look at Elijah in this story. He starts out hearing a threat, a threat that's against his life, and he runs for his life. He separates from his servant and leaves him in Beersheba. He gets alone. He becomes isolated, and that's one of the things that happens when we become discouraged. We begin to disconnect and separate from the very people we need in our life. He gets alone, and he falls asleep. He's so discouraged, he falls asleep by the broom tree, and his only prayer is this, God, I'm done. God, I'm no better than my father's. God, take my life. there's nothing else that can happen. There's nothing else good that can take place. It's too late. And and he's so despondent that an angel shows up. And I don't know how discouraged you gotta be to almost largely ignore an angel. He has a conversation with an angel and almost doesn't even pay attention to how crazy and powerful and, and amazing that moment is. He just looks up, sees the angel, eats his food and he goes back to sleep. Because that's what discouragement does. It leaves you to a place where you miss the good and you even miss the God moments and you're preoccupied with maybe even just the one thing that's wrong. You get into a place of self-pity, feeling sorry for yourself. Elijah even says, I'm the only one God. 
Isn't it amazing? If those of you who heard last two weeks, you know what just happened and you've read it and, and many of you are familiar with the story. He just had the nation come back to God. He's just had, he's had the nation turn against the prophets of Baal and put them to death and recognize that God, the living God, the God who brought them out of Egypt, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's the living God. And I can't think of anything else that Elijah would have wanted than for what happened in chapter 18. Some of us are so used to discouragement, we don't even know that discouragement is an enemy to be fought, not yielded to or surrendered to. Discouragement isn't something to be accepted, but it's actually something to be fought, not tolerated, but resisted. And I think discouragement is one of the greatest weapons in the arsenal of our enemy. Because Satan cannot defeat a believer. He cannot defeat the word of God. He cannot defeat the blood of Jesus that we just sang about. He cannot defeat your prayer and your faith and and what God has done for you in Jesus and what you have through the Holy Spirit. He cannot defeat you, but he can convince you to quit if you'll let him. And I believe discouragement is meant to design, it's designed for that very goal, to get us to quit, to get us to no longer see the purpose and plan that God has ahead of us and instead get discouraged in the moment, throw in the towel and give up when we should be advancing. Give up when we should be growing. Give up when we should be moving forward. I know some of you are used to discouragement. You're Vikings fans. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't help myself. But God doesn't want to leave us in discouragement, church. Elijah, I I mean, Elijah's, he's he's kind of considered like the superhero of Israel when it comes to the prophets of the Old Testament. Like Moses typified the law and Elijah would typify the prophets that Elijah would be the high watermark up until that point. So, so, So when somebody's thinking when the greatest prophets of the Bible, the Old Testament, they think of Elijah and yet even Elijah not even on his worst day, but his best day got discouraged. That's what tells me that discouragement is more than just a feeling and an emotion and just about our circumstances, but it's actually about a spiritual battle. It's about an assignment. First, a God assignment, that God has promised something for you and for me, a God identity, a God calling, and the enemy fights that through the weapon of discouragement to keep you from seeing what God wants you to see. And instead, Elijah, who's anointed, who has authority, who just prayed and literally saw the condition of the nation change, who saw drought, three and a half years of drought broken, that same Elijah was so discouraged at the threat of one person that he would run for his life. So if you're discouraged today, I want to help identify this, but more importantly, help you defeat it and overcome it because God doesn't want to leave us in the place of discouragement. Sometimes we become discouraged because we're overextended. We're emotionally depleted. Daniel 7.25 says one of the strategies of the enemy is to wear out the saints of the most high. People are emotionally depleted, relationally disrupted, spiritually empty, God wants to fill us. I always think it's interesting, you know, I've, I've been on trips with my family or, you know, and we could have an amazing vacation. And then right after that, we're, we're let me just say this, we're, we're a little tired. You ever, you ever say the right thing when you're tired? 
You ever make good decisions when you're tired? You ever have good feelings and emotions when you're tired? Even though you just came from a vacation, like you leave and you feel like, I need another vacation. And you, and you, you, you start to argue and you start to fight and you start wondering why in the world? I don't think this has ever happened to anybody in this service, but you have a great moment in church and you have a God encounter and God's moving in your life and then you get into a fight with your spouse in the car right after you leave. None of you, it was first service people. See, even in the midst of a spiritual triumph, even in the midst of a victory, we can be vulnerable to discouragement. Elijah, track his progression. He starts at Carmel. Carmel is the place of the victory and the place of the fire falling from heaven. Carmel's name means fruitful. It's a mountain where God moved in power, but it represents a fruitful place, a fruitful season. And Elijah leaves the fruitful place and he goes to Beersheba, which is the, it's, it's literally means the well of the oath. It's a place of promise. And in the place of an oath, a place of relational connection, he leaves his servant there because discouragement will always cause you to isolate from the very people you need in your life. And here's the greatest lie of discouragement. You're the only one dealing with this. You're the only one thinking this. You're the only one fighting this. And I don't know why we do this. I've done it myself. We begin to isolate from the very voices and the very people that we need to speak into us, to lift us, to encourage us. And he leaves the place of the oath, Beersheba, and he goes to Horeb, which Horeb's name means desert or wasted place. He goes from fruitful to a deserted place. That's what discouragement will always do. It will move you from the place of your kingdom, purpose, identity, and assignment, and move you to a place of waste. And yet in the midst of that, he has a God moment because he gets in the cave and he gets with God and God begins to speak to him and God's voice is always truth. That's why we need to be in God's word, church, because we need God's truth speaking to us. It's not good to be alone with your discouraged thoughts (laughs) because you'll feel just like Elijah. Imagine this man of faith, this man of confidence, this man who saw miracles, His prayer life has been reduced to God. It's over. I'm just praying that I might die. Jesus, beam me up. Get me out of here. There's no other hope. There's no other answer. There's no other way. And that's where he's at. And yet you and I, even when we're at that place, God wants to meet us. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? I want to give you a few examples in the Old Testament that illustrate what discouragement is and does. Numbers 21 verse four describes Israel leaving the wilderness or leaving Egypt, going through the wilderness. And it says, they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go to the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. The soul of the people became discouraged. Imagine you've waited. They've waited for generations for the promised land. And along the journey, they become discouraged, not just a little bit, but very discouraged in their soul. And they begin to cry out, they begin to complain, they begin to worry, and they even say to Moses and God, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here? Their soul became discouraged. That word discouraged in in Hebrew means to be cut short. There's a couple words for discouraged. This one means to be cut short. And the picture of this word 
It's really cool to see how this, this, word, this picture it paints. It's of a harvest growing or of a crop in a field growing to a certain point. But rather than coming to the point of harvest where the, the purpose of growing something is to benefit, of, is to harvest from it. And yet all the time of waiting, it comes to a certain point and is cut short. And that's what that word means. To be discouraged means to be cut short of experiencing the harvest. Their soul became discouraged. It says years later, as they would go and be prepared to enter the promised land, they would send 12 spies ahead to search out the land, to see this land that God had told them to take, to possess. And God had said, I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. And 12 of them go ahead. Two of them come back and say, man, let's get it. It's good. Everything that God said is true. And God's with us. Let's go, let's go for it. But you know the story, 10 of them come back and here's what it says they did. Deuteronomy 128, where can we go up? <laughs> we can't leave. Our brethren have discouraged our hearts saying the people are greater and taller. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And we even see the sons of the Anakim there, the giants. What, what, what's being said? The 10 spies come back and say, we can't, no way. Yeah, I know the promise is good. Yeah, I know the harvest is good. I, I, I realize that. But then they begin to complain and, and be afraid and they tell the people, we can't go up. And as a result, it says, their hearts became discouraged by the words of these 10 spies. That word discouraged is a little bit different. This word means to melt away. To melt away, to waste away through fear, to, to waste away. So, so the idea is that these, Israel was ready to take the promised land, but through the word of discouragement, they gave up. And if you know their story, an entire generation, save for those two spies that believed the promise, the entire generation died out in the desert because of discouragement. Discouragement will keep you from seeing what God wants you to see. But let's, let's see how to overcome it today. I've got three points for you. Those are taking notes. These are keys to overcoming discouragement. They're not the only ones, but these I believe are absolutely essential. Number one is we need to remember. We need to remember. What do we need to remember? I, I think there's a lot we need to remember. We need to remember who our God is, number one. <laughs> that he hasn't changed. One of the attributes of God is he's self-existent and nothing changes him. He's not changed by the moment, by the season, by the experience, by the time. God is always good. He'll be good tomorrow. He'll be good forever. His promise is true. His character is unfailing. His love never runs out. His power is never exhausted. And that same God promises to be with you and I. And the very thing that had kept us from God was our sin, that it created a gulf. And so he sent Jesus, as we, as we talked about today, he paid the price so that we could have a relationship with God and we would never be alone again. We need to remember, Elijah went to Horeb and Horeb is, while the name means a wasted or deserted place, it's also described, as I read to you earlier, it's the mountain of God. And in the mountain of God, in that place, it's a place where Moses had met with God generations before. It's a place where Elijah was about to experience and encounter God, not in the dramatic and not in the earthquake and the fire and the wind and all that stuff, but in the still small voice, because it's in the whisper of the voice of God that we remember he's with us. 
and he's for us. And when our situation is screaming, God is speaking. When our, pray, our pain and our problem are saying things will never change, and that's the lie a lot of us are believing today, that things will never be different. The still small voice of God says what's true. What are you doing here, Elijah? His response, he says it twice, as if God hasn't heard it the first time. I'm alone. It's just me. I'm the only one. All of Israel's forsaken you. I mean, I guess he forgot about the revival the day before. But it's just me, God. That's it. It's just me. And he's feeling sorry for himself. I know nobody in here has ever had a pity party before. But that's what happens. We get so preoccupied with the problem. We get so discouraged. And the more we talk to ourselves in discouragement, the more we get deeper into it. And so God takes him outside of the cave and he sees the wind, the fire, all that. Here's the still small voice. He wraps his face in his cloak again and he says, God, I'm alone. But he wasn't alone. God was with him. But not only was God with him, but what was the last thing I read to you that God told him? He said, I've still got 7,000 others. I've still got others. You're not alone. And then God begins to tell him something that I believe Elijah needed to remember and all of us need to remember. Two things we need to know. We need to remember that we have a future in God. Because that's the problem with discouragement. It gets you to no longer see that there's a future ahead of you. What's his future? God says to Elijah, Elijah, you're not done. You're gonna go anoint some kings. And you're gonna anoint Elisha, the next generation's prophet. And whatever Jezebel does is gonna be stopped by one of these kings. And whoever escapes the sword of the king of Syria, the king Jehu's gonna get. And whoever escapes Jehu, Elisha's gonna get. What's the point? God's gonna finish what he started. And he's letting Elijah know, it's not over today. There's a future. I've got a promise for you. We need to remember the call. Elisha, I'm not done with you. I'm not done with your purpose. Some of us think God's done, but he's not. He's not done with your marriage. He's not done with your family. He's not done with your purpose. Elijah needed to remember that, and I believe so do we. Remember the calling. Sometimes we're just preoccupied with things that are not the call. Number two is we need to return. He had to go to the mountain of God. He had to listen to truth. He had to listen to the voice of God. (laughs) You and I, when we get disconnected from God's word, we get disconnected in relationship in the church and God's people. We get disconnected and more importantly from the presence of God. We, we need to hear his voice. We need to be in his word. We need to spend time with Jesus because that's gonna bring truth when we're listening to the lie of discouragement. And Elijah needed, a re- Elijah needed a return, return to his calling, return to his purpose. He had been running for 40 days. Well, first he ran to the broom tree and gave up. But, but I want you to catch this because God is not done with you and we need to return to the purpose of God. If you're disconnected, it's time to reconnect to Jesus. 
If, if, if you've been disconnected from the truth of his word and you've been leaving, believing the lie more about what your circumstance says and what your feelings say, instead of what God has said, it's time to reconnect with the promise, return to the promise. Some of us had great confidence years ago about a promise and a word God gave us. We've set it aside, we've forgotten and we've let it go. It's time to dust that off, church. It's time to pray for heaven's purpose. Pray for our families, pray for our children, pray for, the, pray for healing, pray for everything that God wants to do. We need to return. And the third one is something I've already kind of spoken into, but we need to reconnect. And it wasn't just about him reconnecting with God. He actually had to go and meet Elisha. In fact, the very next thing that Elijah would do is stop being alone and he would actually connect with Elisha, the next generation to pour into them. I wonder how many of us, God's poured in so much, but we're not willing to, or we don't feel qualified to pour it out into others. You will never find fulfillment and fruitfulness in God's kingdom alone. I don't know where the church got this idea. I believe in the secret place. In fact, there's no substitute for being alone with God in your prayer time, in your time alone with Jesus, but God has not called you to live in a monastery. There are people around you every day that need what you carry, and Elijah was never meant to stay in that cave. He was meant to go pour out to Elijah's life, Elisha's life, and pour into the next generation. We've got to reconnect with others. Psalm 27, 13. I love this. The psalmist says, I would have lost heart. I would have quit. I would have given up. (laughs) I would have thrown in the towel. Maybe you're there right now. I'm going to be honest with you. I wanted to preach about anything but Elijah today. But God wouldn't have me move past the story. And I believe it's because someone in here, maybe more than one, but you're battling discouragement. And if you'll not quit, if you'll not give up, you'll not give up on God, you'll not give up on the promise, you're going to see what he promised to do. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. Do you know what the difference is? It's right here. This is the hinge that the door is on. This is, this, is, this is the critical point. I would have given up unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you know what God wanted to remind Elijah of? Is the same thing he wants to remind you and I of. You have a future and you're not alone. You have a future. Jesus changed everything, church. I know we know that. We sing it, but do we believe it? And do we believe that we'll see the goodness of the Lord not just when we get to heaven when we die? Because he doesn't even say that. Yeah, it's still up there. He says, in the land of the living. Like, I'm going to see God do something in my life now. And I know the greatest fulfillment is heaven. I know that's what we're all going towards. We're pilgrims on a journey to something greater. That's absolutely true. 
But it's also true that God wants to do something here today, right now. And somewhere along the journey, we settle in discouragement. Everything was clear before, but it's not clear now. You know, John the Baptist, who said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, declared who Jesus was before the nation of Israel. Just months later, is put in a prison. And he calls his disciples. He says, hey, go ask Jesus something. Are you the coming one or should we look for somebody else? Because somewhere along the journey, things didn't go the way he had expected. And for him, it called into question who Jesus was in his life. And maybe you're there right now. Discouragement is not something to accept. It's not something to allow you to be defeated by. But you need to remember that you will see God's goodness, his faithfulness. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray with you today. Altar team, if you'd come down as well. If you're weary in the fight, If I could remind you of what that word my wife shared at the beginning. He's going to finish what he started. <laughs> he who began a good work in you. And let me tell you, what he's done in your life is good. And if it's not good right now, what's happening in your circumstance, I'm just telling you, God's not done. Don't let circumstance define for you who God is. No, no, that's... Look at what his word says. Look at who he is. Look at Jesus. He never met a grave he didn't conquer. (laughs) A need he couldn't meet. A life he couldn't restore, redeem, set free. Today, whatever you may be facing discouragement, and I want to call you to remember... Remember the Lord. Remember his promise. Remember his goodness. Return. Whatever you run to instead of God, run, turn back. And maybe reconnect. Don't, don't get isolated. Don't get alone. If you, if you feel really discouraged right now, I mean, we're going to pray in just a second. I believe God's going to lift that. But you need to talk to somebody. Like, I'm serious. Talk to somebody. Get people around you that'll speak life into you. Not just people that are gonna agree with the problem. We can we can find lots of those people. <laughs> we need people speaking life into us. That's what the church is to be. I, I, listen, I'm gonna put on my pastor hat for just a second. We don't have groups to sit around and talk about the problem. We have groups to lift each other up to declare the promise of God that lifts us in the problem to Jesus. Because I believe you're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.